Uh, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? All right. I'm just going to set my timer here so that I will not go three hours on you. <laughs> uh, because it's easily, I can do that. We came from a place where, uh, as Rich said, the church is three hours, right? And so, and after church also you stay uh, for more time to spend time with folks and people. So, uh, but I'm not going to do that today for you guys. Um, uh, and I really want to say this, and also it's a cultural thing. I mean, uh, I bring greetings from our, our church uh, I bring greetings uh, from my family that is here today uh, with me, um, and I'm so grateful for them, and uh, uh, thank God that they um, came with me today to just be here and worship together with you. Um, also want to thank my wife. Um, she's amazing. Um, today is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to the moms out there, for all of you. We're grateful for all of you, and I'm also thankful for my wife as well. Um, it's actually a dangerous thing to do when uh, you get called to, like, a pastor, give a pulpit. Right? So I really want to say thank you, Leonard, for trusting me to be here today. Uh, and also thank you, Rich, for inviting me uh, to also um, speak to you guys today. Uh, I'm grateful. I'm honored. I'm humble. Um, and I'm excited. And so, uh, so... Um, let me see, um, gather my thoughts here. Our texts today come from Philippians 1, verse 12 to 30. It's a rather long text, but uh, what I'm going to do today is just take it like in, three se- in four sections and just kind of read through that and also get some, uh, uh, just draw some application from that uh, as we go through this text. So this is the Word of God. We should hear it and listen to it as such. It's coming to us from Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to 30. I'm reading from the uh, ESV version. I want you to know, brothers, that what had happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of the love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not necessarily, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through my prayers, through your prayers and help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that will be full courage. Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for you. Yet with our shoes, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that better, for that far better. 
But to remain in flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let the manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponent, that is clear sign to them of their destruction, but for your salvation, and that is from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you shall not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw me I had, and now hear that I still have. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, church, we live in a broken world. We live among broken people. At times, we live our lives as if we are people without hope. But the Bible test tells us this, that our hope is indestructible. Especially when our hope is threatened by difficult circumstances of past events, present events, or even future events. So let me ask you this question today. What are you currently facing that is robbing you of the joy of hope that we have in Christ? What is it, one thing, that is robbing you today? Maybe even right now as you hear my voice, or maybe this week, or last week, or in the last month, what is one thing that is actually robbing you from having that joy that we have and we know that is indestructible? If you define and find that one thing, let me ask you this follow-up question. What do you need to believe to remain free and hopeful in, the, in this situation, in that one thing? What do you need to believe? What do you need to grab hold of so that you can remain hopeful, you can remain joyful, you can remain faithful to the hope that we have in Christ Jesus? I know maybe some of you are thinking, oh, okay, um, to a lot of things. Let's, let's wrap this up. So I want to say this. If you get lost as I talk, or you think about the brunch that you're taking uh, afterward, you know, um, or you're thinking about dinner tonight, what to do, you know, let me give you a kind of a, a, a roadmap here. And this is a roadmap that you can come back to and know where I am in the text. And this is, this, is, this is, if you forget anything that I said, just remember this. Jesus is your indestructible hope. When you remember the event of past, when you think of the hard circumstances of today, and when you look to future, Jesus is your indestructible hope when you look to past, when you think of the present 
and when you look to future. And that's what Paul is trying to talk to us here about today. Paul is talking about the joy in hope. Recently in December, my daughter, Emmanuel, and I went and visited my mom in Sudan. And if you are following the news, you would know that um, right now Sudan is a very, in a very uh, troubled place. There's war going on in Sudan. And my mom, uh, we, are, we came from the southern part of Sudan, of, of Sudan, which is South Sudan. And my mom, um, because in 2012 war broke out, the civil war broke out in my, my hometown in South Sudan. So my mom and my sister and my sibling had to travel, have to, travel to Khartoum. But first, when the war broke out, they had to go to the refugee camp. Now, they have little children with them. So my mom and, and my sister and everybody has to go to the refugee camp. And in the refugee camp, life was very difficult for them, was very hard for them. So they press on going further to, to, to Khartoum, where it's a little bit more safer. Now, during this, during this journey, my sister-in-law died in childbirth. And the, the child that she, she gave birth to was well and healthy, but because of the hard and difficult circumstances of the journey, a year later, the child died. Now, think about it. We are not, I'm not talking about, you know, paved road. I'm not talking about, you know, having good roads that you travel on. These people are traveling on bumpy roads, on potholes, and things like that. Very difficult situation. And so my brother, whose, whose wife just died, said, I'm not going to North Sudan. I'm not going to... I'm not going to go. I'm just going to stay in the refugee camp to be close home. So he stayed in the refugee camp. And then less than a year later, he also died, leaving my mother to care for these five kids who are now orphans. And they're still traveling toward north, toward safety, toward where they could be a little bit safe. Now, I share this with you because when I was in Sudan in December, I sat down with my mom. This was her first time to visit and to see my daughter, one of my daughters, Emanuela, my oldest. It was a good time for us. But I'm just, as I hear this, as she tells me this story, I just wanted to talk to her, to get to know her, but also to kind of see and glean some hope. Like, where is she spiritually? Where is her hope lies? And so I asked her, Mom, how do you keep hopeful? You know what she did? She kept telling me and went back to just kind of telling me, we, we, we escaped, this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and we are now here. And she was talking also in terms of like she is now an elderly, and she is like facing her own illness, and she is also facing um, the fact that the reality that she might not see the rest of her grandchildren who are here in America. So she's kind of thinking about this. So she's keep going back and forth and forth. I just wanted to listen to like, how are you doing with hope in light of all the things that you have gone through? Uh, and we keep talking. And then, you know what? Even I forgot. What, what, what were we talking about? Wait, what was my question? Oh, wait a minute. It was hope. But I didn't get any of that. Now, Paul here is trying to help the Philippians. Because church, believe it or not, even those of us who have grown up in church and are mature, you know, we face so much opponents of hope. And Paul is trying to help us today that there are three opponents of hope that we would face in our lifetime. 
One is when you think of past, past events, past difficult circumstances. Could be sometime a hope killer, right? When you think about hard things that had happened to you. Second, Paul looked at the present circumstance in which he is in, and he sees that as a hope opponent as well. And then he looked into death, which is also, he knows that he will die. But he said this could be also a hope, what, a hope killer. So let's look at the past events, right? Paul says here that past circumstances can rob us of hope, can kill our hope, can destroy our hope, can challenge the hope while we have in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul is burdened. Paul is concerned about this church that he has planted, about this church that is so dear to his heart. And so he writes this letter, and he knows that the church will be heartbroken. He knows that the church will feel so burdened for him because he's telling them that I am in, being in prison. You know, see how many times he said that, knowing that. He says this many times, many times, my imprisonment, my imprisonment. And he said, I want you to know that what had happened to me, what had happened to Paul, what did Paul face? What challenges of the past event that Paul faced that he's telling the Philippian now to look at those things and say, you know, regardless, in despite of all these things, I want you to know that still we have hope in Jesus Christ. So we look back into Paul's past patterns of life, and we see that there are dark threats of animosity. There is bloodly pains, the lies, mis- mis- misrepresentation, deceitfulness, miscarriage of justice, the chain by which he kept him from traveling for the gospel, mental turmoil of appealing to Caesar against his own people. You know, so the nearness of death, and the list goes on and on. Paul has faced so much challenges in his past life. He has faced so much circumstance that really could destroy, kill the hope that he have in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but in our congregations, sometimes even where we worship with many people, in our, in, even in our circle of life, we know people who have gone through tough times. We know people who are suffering. We know people who are going through pain. We know people who are going through difficult health issues. You know, and even as I talk right now, you are reminded of all these people. Church, the circumstances of past events, when we remember these things, sometimes tend to blind us of what God is actually doing. Sometimes tend to make us hard to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, um, The Bible tells us that Jesus is, what, yesterday, today, forever. You see, Jesus is yesterday. Jesus is in the event of yesterday. Jesus is sovereign when we were facing all these difficult challenges. But sometimes we forget, right? Sometimes I forget. And as I sit with my mom and just try to listen to the past events of her life, it's just kind of really difficult for me to wrap my, my mind around what was going on and sometimes blind us and make us forget who really controlled the past. You see, you go home today and you lay down and you think of the thing that you, decision that you have made in the past. I mean, you know, I'm 41 years old, so I made bad decisions in my life. 
You know, I, I, I've hurt a lot of people. Uh, I have made bad parenting decisions. And sometimes these things tend to keep me up at night. Am I talking to the right people here? Right? And, and you keep turning and twisting, and you're just like, oh, if I, I wish I have done this. I wish I have thought this. I wish I have said that. You know, these events of the past sometimes can just hold and grip us and just try to hold us down and just not keeping us going toward what God has for us. But we forget, and I forget, that Jesus controlled the past. Amen? As Paul looked back, he sees that God ruled his past, and he wanted the Philippians to see Jesus active in their past. You know, he wanted them to see that. Look at the word that, that Paul used. He says, really, what happened to me, really. You know, this word really serves us so good in, 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 in knowing what direction my, Paul's mind is leading him. Right? Paul is saying, what really happened here, I just wanted you to know that look at these events of the past. Look them in, in the eye. And Paul is saying, are these events that God has used, these terrible things, God has used to advance his kingdom? These difficult things that I have done in the past, people have done to me in the past, are the things that God has used to advance the gospel. Paul wants us to look into the face of all this thing and say, we have overcome by what? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's what we're standing for, church. When, when these things happen, when these accusations begin to come, when we look at the past circumstances that is trying to haunt us and trying to hold us down. Jesus is yesterday. He is sovereign. You are here today, not by mistake. Amen? He, he doesn't make mistake. You are here today because he was in the events of your past. But also Paul says this in verses 13 to 18, that not only Jesus is in the past, but Jesus is in the present. Amen. He is in the present. What Paul is saying here is this. Paul is still thinking about the past, but what he is doing, you know, remember, Paul is chained to a soldier. So what is happening here, as he goes to the bathroom, he is, has somebody with him. Think about that. I mean, he, he, his privacy is being ripped off of him. His, 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 you know, he is not anymore like can do whatever he wants. So he still can feel the tug of the chain as he moves by. He can, he can still feel all these things today, right now. But how he goes here, he says, he says this. He says that some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. So Paul here is dealing with some present hard circumstances. He is dealing with the fact, the effect of his imprisonment. He still feels that. He is feeling the enemies of unity, people, hard, difficult people. Do you have difficult people in your life? I do. 
<laughs> I do. I mean, if you are a parent, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right? You have difficult people, right? Well, if you're not, if you don't have difficult people, maybe you are the difficult person. <laughs> Think about that. You see, so listening to my mother, just really listening to her, make me think about these people. Who are these people? I want to know what these people. Because she cannot go past the fact that there are people out there that are making her life miserable. And she's talking about people in power. She's talking about people who are fighting. She's talking about people that force her to leave her country, to leave her home, the place that she loves. And she cannot move past that because as long as these people are around, they are to her hope killer. They are to her hope robber. They are to her hope opponent that she cannot see beyond that. They become an obstacle. They become a, a, a like kind of a mountain that she can not see beyond that. These are the people that is trying to kill her hope, her joy, her happiness going forward. She cannot see that. And she wants these people gone. And I, I listened to her. You know, you listen to somebody you love and you just want to help them. How can I help you? How can I make, you, how can I make this, 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 this better? How can I do that? I am pressed. I love my mom. But at the same time, these people are creating God's image. They are not actually hope killer. We live in a broken heart life. So how can we deal with that? And Paul Hill is trying to help us to see that these people, whether preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry, still Paul says, doesn't matter. If Christ is preached, he says, in that I rejoice. In that, I rejoice. Regardless of the reason by why they would want to afflict him, Paul is like Jesus Christ, not concerned for his own interests. He says, on the contrary, he will rejoice. As long as the gospel is proclaimed, as long as the gospel is progressing, as long as the gospel is going forward, Paul says, I will rejoice. I will have the hope of the joy of hope that I have in Christ Jesus. Maybe I'm reminding you now of people that you may be making a list, right? The people that maybe tomorrow, Monday, you're going to make a list and maybe go talk to them, have a hard conversation, and tell them that, look, you have been hard. I want you to change. This is not what I'm talking about, right? This is not what I want you to do. What I want you to do this today, church, is to see that God could and can use difficult people for our justification, for our sanctification, uh, sorry, for our sanctification. Uh, God can use these people. Difficult people are massive obstacle in the path of hope, but they are not indeed hope killer. They cannot kill the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Remember, our hope is indestructible. In the face of present event, our hope is indestructible. Nothing can destroy the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And then finally, Paul looked at the future. And when he looked at future, Paul says this. He says that, For I know that through your prayers and help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul is faced with a reality of this. He says, 
you know, I, I might get out. I might be released from prison, which is good. Temporally, that's good. But he says also, if that doesn't happen, then I will be delivered and be with the Lord by death. Amen. So Paul looked in the face of death and can see that even if I die physically, if I die, I am and I will be present with Jesus Christ. So death to Paul, as he looked in the future, you know, in this country, we are not good with death. Can, can I say that, honestly? We don't deal well with death. Uh, the, uh, the place that I come from, when somebody dies, sometimes we wait for days until relatives from far away distant come, and we just sit and wait. But, but sometimes, and that is, that is hard, that is difficult, but we don't, here we don't really deal with death. We don't, we don't even like to talk about death. But the, 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 the thing is, we live long, and if Jesus delayed to come, we all will die. And we know people who have died and are with the Lord today. Um, I remember my brother. I remember his wife. I remember those who were lost even in, in, in our church. Death is part of life. But to Paul, as he looks at death, he said, I'm going to look in the face of the death, and I know that whether I, I die or I live, I am the Lord's. So even in death, Paul is saying that death is not a hope killer. Death is not an opponent of hope because my hope in Jesus is indestructible. Indeed, I will by death see Jesus Christ. So where do we, where do we go from here, church? Paul is talking about past events. Paul is talking about the present events. Paul is talking about the future events as he faces and ultimately he will die. And he is encouraging them to look these events in their face and say, because Jesus lived, because Jesus died, because Jesus rose again, I will rejoice. I will have the joy of hope that I know that he has purchased for me on the cross. I have that joy of hope. He tells them, and he says, because of all these things, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to go back here and just kind of know and see if you are tracking with me. Let me go back to here. The roadmap. Jesus is my indestructible hope. When I look to pass, when I am in the present, and when I look and anticipate what comes up in the future. Jesus is my indestructible hope. If I call you tonight at 3 o'clock in the morning and I say what the sermon is about, <laughs> you should not say, let me look my note. You should say, all right, Jesus is my indestructible hope when I look to past, present, and future events. Because of that, the Bible said, live a life worthy of the gospel. What does that mean, to live a life worthy of the gospel? One, it says this, the gospel changes everything. 
You see, the gospel must change the way we look to to pass. The gospel must change the way we live the present. The gospel must change the way we anticipate and look to future. Does your gospel, does my gospel change everything to me? A life worthy of the gospel is a life that lives because we know that the gospel is true that the good news of Jesus Christ is true, therefore must change everything. Must change everything. In other words, do we live out what we believe in everyday life? Then the second thing is, a life worthy of the gospel is a life of standing firm in our conviction of faith. Look what Paul says, not frightened in anything by your opponent of hope. Do not be frightened. That's your conviction. And our conviction is a result of what Jesus has done on the cross. Because Jesus died, because Jesus rose, because Jesus will come again, I know that my salvation is secure in him. Because that's our conviction, that we have been saved. People, we have been saved, church, by what? By faith in Jesus Christ. We have been saved. That's our conviction. He said, do not be frightened. Be, do not be frightened by your opponents. Because your conviction is a gift from God. Your salvation is a gift from God. My salvation is a gift from God. And two things happen when we are standing firm in our, in our conviction. One is, is that uh, as, as uh, J.A. Um, J. Moyer actually helped me with this, and he quote, he says that when we stand in our conviction, two things happen. It's a statement to our true spiritual state, one. But also it's a statement against the world for their true a spiritual state. Do you get that? When we stand firm, these two things happen. True spiritual state for us. It is what God has done for us and is doing in us and through us. For Paul said, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also what? Suffer for the sake of the gospel. So he speaks our salvation as a gift received by faith alone in Jesus Christ. Likewise, our suffering for the sake of Christ when we face these difficult circumstances is also a gift from God. You think about that for a moment, that our suffering is a gift from God as well. But also, Paul says, it's a clear sign to them of their dest- destruction. So again, is a statement of the spiritual state of the world. Could it be, church, that when we face difficult circumstances, when we face challenges of today and tomorrow, could it be that the world will see and say, this is different? Could it be that the world will be convicted of its own uh, sin and, 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 and the state of their spiritual um, uh, 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 shortcoming? Could it be that God would use these things to strengthen his kingdom, to advance his kingdom, and to bring men, women, and uh, boys and girls to himself? Could it be that God would use this, this event to advance his kingdom? 
Third, the live word of the gospel is alive, grounded in our union with Christ and in our union with one another. It's just a wonderful picture today that we have prayed for this family. Even, even if our brother is in Kuwait, we are still one. And that beautiful picture that this unity, that God not only has called us individually to salvation, but he has put us in a community where we can do life together. Church, when you're suffering, when you are thinking of things, and I, I like what a pastor said today, do not just call, what do you need? I'm going to go knock on your door. Because now you are a part of this family. You are a part of this community. We are in it together. This is, this is a life worthy of the gospel, a life that we are standing, as Paul said, side by side in our conviction. Amen. We are standing side by side. You're not alone. Today, if you are here and maybe you have lost your mom, your grandma, you're not alone. You have gained grandmas and, moth- and mothers here in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. You know, we are in the community of one another, the community that God has purchased for himself. So we belong to one another. And then um, there, is a, there is this passage. I close with this passage from Isaiah 20, 25. Uh, you can read it later. But this, this passage is so beautiful. Passage. It talks about on that mountain that God would do something amazing. One of the things that God will do, he says that the God will swallow death. He said also, amen, God will swallow. But also he says that God will silence the noises of the strong, the noises of the foreigner. Do you hear the noises of past circumstances? Do you hear them mocking you? Do you hear them telling you you are not who you, God designed you to do? Do you hear them really holding you down? Do you hear these noises that's trying to hold you down? Do you hear them? The noises of the strong, the noises of the foreigner. Do you hear them? If you do hear them, know this. You have a God who are, is able to silence these voices. You have a God who is able to silence these voices. The voices of the strong, the thing that you think you cannot do by yourself, alone, on your own. God silence these voices. Church, God silence these voices. He does. Believe that. Believe that because the enemy wants you to believe that God doesn't care. God doesn't love you. God is not for you. God is not a giver. He's a taker. That's the enemy. Want to do that. Want to convince us that God is not who we, the Bible tells us who he is. But we know that our God is a giver. After all, does he not give us his son, Jesus Christ? Does he not give us the most precious thing that he has? For sure he will give us everything that we need to face the challenges of this life and to keep us, remain us in this hope that we have in Christ Jesus. But also if you look and you think of your own mortality, the mortality of those people that you love, know this. Isaiah 25 says, Lord, on that mountain will swallow up death. Oh, hallelujah, he will swallow up death. On that day, every tears, when Jesus comes, he will wipe away from our eyes. There's no place, church, that you can go that God is not there. There's no place you can go that he's not there. He is with you. He is for you. He is 
our indestructible hope. Jesus is my indestructible hope when I remember yesterday. He is my indestructible hope when I feel the limitation of today. He is my indestructible when I think of my own mortality and the mortality of those who I love that are no longer with us. Church, Jesus is who he said he is. He is today, he's yesterday, today, and forevermore. Believe that, trust that, hang your hope on that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you because you love us. I thank you because you care. I thank you because you are our God and that you, Lord God, not only is silent the voices of uh, the foreigner, Lord God, but you also, Lord God, swallow up death. Um, we thank you that you are victorious. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. We thank you that you are for us and not against us. Help us, Lord, when we feel down, cast it. Help us when we feel hopeless to know that you are indeed Jesus, our indestructible hope. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.